Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 64 of Freight 360. Happy Thanksgiving and happy Black Friday, everybody. Ben, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Excited to be here. Excited for the short week of, well, work and spend some time with family. Looking forward Absolutely. to it. It is a good time of year. We're approaching the end of the year here. It's, we're entering into the, the peak shipping season for a lot of retailers and things of that nature. So if you're working on postal loads, God bless you. It's uh, whew, it's going to be a wild few weeks for you. Um, Thanksgiving is going to be different all around the horn, all around the country for everybody. I know here in New York State, we are essentially shut down. Governor Cuomo basically canceled Thanksgiving for us. Um, but every state's different. Hopefully everyone gets some good turkey and mashed potatoes. And I don't know, what's your favorite Thanksgiving uh, spread there, Ben? That's funny is I have never been a fan of Thanksgiving food. As long as I could remember, I have advocated for food other than any of the traditional Thanksgiving. So my family, we, well, when I was up North and with the rest of my family, my cousin and I used to do a, um, like a tenderloin, we would do like a whole filet and then we mm-hmm. would get some oysters and do some twice baked potatoes Ooh. and asparagus. And it was a big joke at first. Cause we were like, or I think I was like 18 at the time. I was finally an adult. And I said, you know what? Like everyone's super excited about all the food for Thanksgiving. I love the family. Can my cousin and I, like I was like, can Darren and I go get some food that like we want to eat and grill it out next to Thanksgiving. And they, you know, obliged and approved and everybody laughed at us and said oh who wants to eat steak who who wants steak and blue cheese and oysters and twice baked potatoes we want turkey and whatever else it is that everyone gets excited for and as soon as we started bringing the steaks in and the oysters out everybody went hey let me let me get a piece of that you know hey, yeah this turkey let me let me get a couple of those oysters right i like that idea that's good i dig it well, so we'll see. So as you're listening to this, if you're a, uh, you know, if, if you're a, a listener, that's an avid listener and you're listening right at, at launch date on Friday, it's Black Friday. So Thanksgiving's behind us, which means yesterday we saw three NFL games. We've got Houston at Detroit, Washington at Dallas. Dallas always gets a Thanksgiving game. I think that's you know. oh, it used to be Dallas and Detroit forever and a day, right? Yeah, last year it was Dallas and Buffalo, and Buffalo took them down. It was awesome. And then we've also got your Steelers hosting the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm going to give my predictions really quick on those three games. We'll see if they were accurate because those listening, these games have already happened. Um, Texans at Lions. I'm saying uh, Detroit Lions win. Washington at the Cowboys. Woo! I'm going to give Dallas this game. They won last week, and they're both three and seven teams going into the game. I think Dallas is going to win it. I think Dallas is going to somehow take the the division, even though because of Philadelphia's tie, they are technically in first place right now in the NFC East, I think it is. Uh, the night game, Baltimore at the Steelers. I mean, no point to even discuss this one. The Steelers are going to go 11-0 and through this week. So, Absolutely. I'm excited. I'm really excited to be able to watch that game for one. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be awesome. Uh, Sunday, you got a slew of games. There's no buys this week. I think those are all gone or done by now. Buffalo is hosting the LA Chargers. It's a three and seven versus a seven and three team. I say Buffalo is going to win it this weekend to be eight and three. Luckily in the AFC East in week 11. So last week, every team 
except for Buffalo lost. Buffalo's on a bye. So Buffalo still maintains a strong first place lead for the for the division. So the Raiders uh, look pretty good though against Mahomes, man. Say again. I said the Raiders looked really good last or last week against Mahomes. He pulled it off in like the last what minute twenty, yeah, something like that. That's that's what he does. That's what he does. The beast. So uh also we record Wednesday or actually today's Tuesday. We're recording earlier yeah. this week because it's a holiday. But uh last night, Monday night football. We had, I don't know if you watched it. It was the, man, I'm, why am I drawing a blank? Oh, the Rams versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, interesting game. Brady lost. He threw a pick towards the end of the game in the last couple minutes. Uh, my fantasy team, I had, I lost by 1.08 points, which is Whoa. frustrating to lose and fantasy that way. But Jared Goff had a strong game. For the Rams. So anyway, that's sports. You know what we didn't talk about, though, is the the Masters, because I think we recorded early before the last we episode. Did, yes. It was so, a phenomenal was Masters. Dustin, Dustin Johnson. Killed it. I mean, he has been on fire. This is definitely his career year, his banner year so far in his career. He did. I mean, he showed up every day. Some of the record. other... Set a record yeah. for the, the most under par, right? 20 under? Actually, it wasn't him. It was the guy from Australia, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. And this is a really oh, surprising stat. Yeah, and Cameron Smith is the first person ever to have four rounds in the 60s. All under par. Yeah. That's awesome. That one's really surprised me. I mean, this many years that they've been having that tournament, that that one, I, I kept looking up as they were announcing it. But it was a great tournament to watch. Dustin played phenomenal. And, you know, a lot of the stuff he had, I think four majors, he was in the lead or, you know, should have won throughout his career and wasn't able to win. So, you know, a lot of the commentators were like, you know what, as long as he can... I don't know, not make any silly mistakes. I mean, from Saturday going into Sunday, he was definitely, you know, the favorite going into Sunday. He held yeah. through. It was a great tournament to watch. Absolutely. I agree. Well, cool. So that's a sports recap. And let's get into the episode. So today we're going to do a brief, shorter one for you folks out there. If you're a first-time listener, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave that five-star review. Give us a little text in there. I actually haven't even checked our reviews lately. I'm sure we got a bunch of new ones, but... Um, we do appreciate everyone reaching out. We've been we've been getting lots of calls, emails, comments, all that stuff. We've got the blogs up there on the website, Freight360.net. We've got some videos up there. We're really growing this, and, and I love the interaction and the input we're getting from the community, so thank you. Ben, that being said, uh, Freight360.net, at what point do we get to buy the dot com? Is that is that coming up soon? Is that going to be available? I have to check, but it was I. You know, when we did the rebranding, I think it was like sixty or ninety days out that it'll come up automated. I'll take a look at that this week. I've completely neglected to look back at that. Love it. Everybody wants the dot com, so we'll see. Mm. We we shall see. Um, <clears throat> okay, so let's get into the episode today. We're going to talk about check calls. All right, it's a fairly brief topic. We want to go over some some do's and don'ts. The, the, the biggest thing here with check calls, and this is going to incorporate not just the physical action of the phone call that happens. We want to talk about the, the dispatch process and how to maintain good communication with your carriers and also with your shipping customers throughout that process. So the bottom line up front here is to ensure you have your proper planning ahead of time. I think there's that, what's that phrase? Uh, proper prior planning prevents poor performance, like the six P's or whatever it is. It is. But what, I mean, there's probably 10, 
different ways. Plus one Kowalski proverb that, you know, sums up that whole mentality and that whole idea. Uh, but the idea here is plan it out, get your, get your ducks in a row before everything starts. And that way you can, you know, react to slight changes as they happen, but you've got a plan in place. So, um, there are many ways to do check calls. You can do a phone call. You can have email updates. You can have GPS tracking. Um, there's all kinds of ways to do this. Now, I'm going to set the stage here based on why we wanted to have this episode. So I have talked to a lot of brokers that ask, you know, what should I be doing? How often should I make check calls? How should I be doing them? And on the contrary, I've talked to a lot of carriers and I've had a lot of carriers complaining, saying that, you know, they weren't told that they had to call at this interval, or they're being threatened that they're going to be fined on their settlement because they didn't do a check call at a certain hour or time. And then they're threatened to file on the bond. So it's messy. It's a lot of paperwork to file on a bond and, you know, change rates and all that stuff. So let's just try and set the record straight here on what best practices are for check calling. And uh, cause Ben, I mean, you know, I'm sure you've dealt with some headaches in the past with a check call missed, or maybe some miscommunication, or you can't get hold of a driver. It can be frustrating, right? Well, absolutely. And one of the things that, you know, I've learned and we've learned as a, you know, company at Southwestern is that most unsatisfied customers and sales really result from lack of proper expectations on the front end, right? Yep. And when you think about it, this is no different, right? Any of the things and any of the problems that arise down the line are because we didn't set proper expectations up front. And when you're dispatching your trucks, that's when we set the expectations, whether it's, you know, reiterating the verbiage that you have specific to that shipper that is on that, you know, your dispatch instructions, reaffirming that, but setting what the expectations are for this load for the driver and any of the relevant information that your shipper needs to make sure the driver has prior to arriving or even sometimes prior to accepting the load so that yeah. everybody's on the same page and there's not a whole bunch of question marks in the air where people have to make a whole lot of assumptions somewhere down the line. Agreed. And I think the the rate confirmation is kind of like your golden ticket to making sure everything is summed up on there because a lot of times you might negotiate a rate with the dispatcher. You're not talking to the driver themselves before he or she actually goes to pick up that load. So if you can get everything documented on the rate confirmation in writing before that load is accepted by the carrier, that rate confirmation will hopefully, if they give a trip sheet or something to their driver, that information will be there and then passed on to the driver. So that could say, you know, please call 30 minutes before pickup to get, you know, um, you know, the door or the gate to go to, um, or call upon pickup and fully loaded and once a day until you hit delivery, whatever, right? It, everything's going to be different. Some high visibility loads need to be called on every few hours because it's a, maybe it's an aircraft part and there's an aircraft on the ground that's, that can't fly because it needs an engine uh, part for maintenance or something like that. High priority expedite loads are, you know, they might be a little bit different. Um, I, will, I will say this. So depending on the type of carrier you have and how your relationship with them is from the past is going to have a big impact on what kind of communication you're going to want to have during that load. So if it's a carrier that you've used every week for the same loads, the same lanes, you probably don't have to worry about talking to them all the time throughout the day. You're like, I've got, I've got folks that have, they don't even post loads. They just same lanes every week, same carriers. They don't even have to post them. The carrier already knows I'm going to call when I get to the pickup site I'm going to call when I'm on my way to my next one, et cetera. 
and there's no, you know, there's nothing excessive in there. Cause you have a level of trust, a level of competence and repetition that's already built up in there. And that is the beauty of having repeat carriers. Uh, but that's not always the case, especially if you're newer in the brokerage, you're going to be dealing with some carriers that are your first time uses, right? So having this, this conversation up front is going to be huge. Um, now I would say as a best practice for a newer carrier for you, I think it is great to, um, you know, based, based on what your customer wants to know is then translate that to how you're going to talk to your carrier. So if your customer says, I don't need to know when the load is picked up or every day, I don't need an update. I just need to know that it's going to be there on time. And if there's any issue, give me a heads up. That's it. Don't be blowing your customer up with updates every four hours and calling your carrier every four hours. Make sure you set some kind of good expectation with the carrier of, hey, we're going to talk at these intervals. Shoot me an email, shoot me a text, give me a call. And obviously, if there's an issue, call me when those pop up, but don't overdo it, right? Because I've seen so many memes out there from carriers where they say, oh, you know, this broker that's been in the business for two minutes says they're going to, they want to check call once a day. And then they're calling me every three hours asking where I am because they're freaking out. It's their first load or their first couple loads and they, they don't want to screw up. Just take a breath, cool down, relax. These drivers aren't, you know, that's not their first rodeo or rodeo, depending on where you live or whatever. But, uh, you know, trust people. If you're, if you trust a carrier to take a load, trust them to do their job. You shouldn't be giving them a load in the first place. If you don't think they're going to be able to properly give you updates. There are some bad ones out there. There's some bad brokers out there. There's some bad shippers out there, but do your vetting and preparation on the front end. <clears throat> so let's look at different types of updates, benefits to them, pros, cons. The most common is the phone call. So we'll look at phone calls, emails, text, and then we'll also look at GPS automated updates. Okay. So the phone call is kind of the most traditional and I, I'm a huge fan of the phone call. I think it's efficient. It's quick, um, but don't spring it on somebody, right? I think that if you just call randomly, like you're, you know, just popping in or dropping in on a carrier, it almost sends a message of, I don't trust you. And I'm just trying to kind of make sure you're doing what I told you you're supposed to do. So it kind of like puts a bad vibe in the air. Um, I think if you do, Hey, we're going to have one call a day and I'm going to call you at noon or Hey, call me between noon and 2 PM every day and just give me a, Hey, we're good to go. I think that's a quick, efficient way to do it. And you know, if you get a voicemail, leave a voicemail or vice versa, the carrier can leave you a voicemail. You're good to go. Uh, what are your thoughts on the phone call method of uh, getting updates? That's the one I utilize the most. Maybe with a little bit of text messages in there with some of the carriers I've check called earlier in the week. And all honesty, what, what we're looking for is once in the morning to basically know that everything was on track, you know, after their break or the things their trucks are moving or that there weren't any issues. And then usually I had another, my team do another check call in the afternoon or, you know, early on I made those check calls as well. And it was really to just, Hey, benchmark that they made it and that nothing was going on in the beginning and the end of the day. Right. And then I would usually kind of set that expectation with the drivers. Hey, like, this is what I'm looking for. This is when I'm going to be reaching out. And Hey, if you're driving, absolutely. I don't need you to pick up the phone. Most of them have headsets on. That's not that big of a deal. But I would also try to be a, take it conversationally and not just ask where they're at, but also ask them how their day was. 
how their morning's going, how their evening was, right? Make it yeah. a call that they can look forward to getting, <clears throat> not like they're being micromanaged by somebody on the other side of the country that doesn't have anything better to do. <laughs> you make a very, very good point there. We all, you know, we, we see it now where everyone's working remotely from home and you, you kind of lack that social interaction. Think about the the carriers and the your partner trucking companies that have been hauling for you for years and years, and they do this day in, day out. This is nothing new to them. They're used to not being around other people every single day in an office. So I like that. Ask them how their, how their day is going. What's, what's happening with them? Anything cool going on? And the other thing too, that I really do like about the phone call is that, you know, a, a text or an email, and we'll get to them. They're not two way, you know, live, at least it requires a response where a phone call is a two way conversation. It's happening live on the go. So if there is an issue, you can talk through it. So some of the things you, you want to look out for when you're on a phone call is maybe give that driver a heads up on a, a weather pattern that you see coming their way, or if there's an accident or possible delays along their route that you're aware of. Also, you want to make sure that there's nothing, nothing has changed as far as their available hours. So maybe they got stuck in traffic, right? And you know that they're going to run out of hours before they get to their next stop or they didn't, they're not going to get as far as they thought that day, or maybe they're going to be late, right? The sooner you can find out, it doesn't mean that they did something wrong. Sometimes stuff just happens and you got to make sure that you can get that information as quickly as possible to relay to your customer. So some of the benefits of the phone call. I like it. And the other thing is the context, right? I would, and I know this sounds obvious and it sounds maybe even redundant to carriers that you know, you've know you worked with, but I'm constantly reiterating why I actually want to speak with them, right? And, yep. it's, and I'm telling them why. And I'm also, and if it's the case, like we talked about earlier, you have some loads that are higher priority, expedited, different reefer shipments, stuff that's out of you know your standard van stuff. I'm always communicating to that driver, like what the shipper is asking of me. Because at the end of the day, as a broker, like I'm just the conduit. So I'm going to be talking, you know, hey, look, the shipper wants updates every, f- I, and I would even try to like sell them on what I've already done for them. So if I got a shipper that wants updates, you know, every three or four hours, I'm going to be usually communicating to the driver like, hey, this shipper really wanted hourly updates. But you know what? I pushed back. I said, we can trust you. Like it's not, not anything to do with that, but they definitely want some visibility into this. So, hey, would you be okay if we touched base every three hours? I'm asking them first, not imposing my will or what I need them to do. Because I mean, in 99 out of a hundred times, are, are they going to say yes or no? They're going to say, sure. Yeah. Hey, if that's what the shipper wants, no big deal. It's like, Hey, just going to give you a quick update just to, you know, what's going on. And in most cases, this can be avoided by something we'll talk about in a little bit, which is GPS. But some of the high priority stuff, like, yeah, you, you do need some higher updates, you know, higher frequency, and you're relaying that information sometimes right back to your customer. Yep. And they need that. They require it. Hey, that's not something the broker decides. That's something the shipper wants, and it's their requirement, and it's our job to follow through with what they would do if it was their load. Yeah, for sure. And I'll give you an example. This actually happened to me two days ago. So I've got a new agent that I'm working with that isn't fully up to speed on our TMS yet and on our system. So I was helping him through booking some loads. Um, and by me booking a load, my phone number ended up on the rate confirmation. And even though we gave the the agent, the broker agent's information directly to the carrier, they still, sometimes the, the driver would see my number and they'd call me. So I got a couple of check call updates. And <clears throat> one of the ones that came up and I, I give the carrier credit for this is it was out of the ordinary. They saw it was a reefer load of produce. And we had a certain temperature on the rate confirmation that that 
reefer unit was supposed to be set at in cycling. Well, at, at pickup, it was two pick, one drop. At the first pickup, the customer told the carrier a different temperature. So instead of just going with what the customer said or just going with what our rate confirmation said, they gave us a call and said, hey, here's what we ran into. What do you want us to do? Because your sheet says this, customer says this, what do we do? And we were able to deconflict it very quick. That's the beauty of a phone call is it's as long as you can get the person on the phone and be available as a broker when that carrier is calling you, you can de-escalate any kind of issue very, very quickly. And I, I always applaud carriers that are proactive and reach out because like I said before, bad news gets worse with time. So had we not deconflicted that, we could have been in, a, uh, in an issue with <clears throat> spoiled goods, a claim, just a mess, right? So pick up the phone, make that call if you've got an issue so you can take care of it as soon as possible. And, but don't and, overdo it. But that's a really also a good point of why you're also communicating that to the driver is let them know that, hey, like you're here to help them. Like I, I always want to reframe it as like, yeah, I know you're the one that technically booked them on the loads and technically they work for you. But the reality is, is I'm looking at this in the same way a manager should be treating their staff is they're there to support them. I'm saying, telling this driver like, hey, the reason I want to know this is I'm here to help you, right? If you do get broke down, let me know. Like that's something that happens. That's okay. Yep. Because I'm constantly reassuring them that I'm not going to be upset or lash out or be screaming because something just normal goes wrong, a blown tire, engine overheat, whatever that could be, right? Because the last thing you want, and this is what I've learned over time, is that when I wasn't doing that, a truck would overheat or have a blown tire. They don't want to upset the broker, so they don't tell you. But then when you talk to them the next morning, they're 400 miles or 300 miles behind where you predicted they were. And it's okay because, you know, maybe that's only one or two phone calls back to the shipper to move around or adjust the, you know, receiving date or time. But the driver was hesitant to tell me. And, you know, when I found out, I asked after, you know, hey, out of curiosity, why didn't you just give me a quick buzz and let me know that you got to go, you have to have a record come out to help with the tire, whatever that is, right? And they'd say, well, you know, the last time I, I, I called a broker and told him I was broke down, yelled at me, wanted to transload the thing, wanted to get a, another carrier out here. And I'm like, I just wanted to avoid all the headache. I knew I could get it fixed myself. And I figured I'd only be a few hours late. And that's the information that's in, it's important, right? That's the information we know we need them to be comfortable to actually give us. And the more comfortable they are with you, the, the less likely they are to hold back from giving you that information. Yeah, I, I agree. <clears throat> Absolutely. And it's, it's worth knowing, like I said before, that bad news gets worse with time. And if you have a good relationship with a carrier and they have a good relationship with you as a broker, they're not going to be hesitant and you won't be hesitant to have that conversation when something goes a little bit off. Like for example, let's say your customer changes a pickup time or cancels a pick or a drop along the way for some of those multi-pick drop loads having that conversation as soon as possible so you can get ahead of it versus, oh, by the way, you showed up at a pick and you realize that there's nothing to be loaded there kind of makes you look bad. It definitely makes you look bad. Get ahead of it. Just set, you know, set the expectation early that let's get on top of any new information as soon as it happens. So couldn't agree with that more. I mean, bad news is best given early and often, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's, that's calls, right? Let's take a look yeah. at uh, text messages. This is kind of a quick one to breeze through, but I love the text idea. As long as it's just a simple, no issue. Hey, we're loaded and we're rolling to the next place. That's, that's it. it. Too easy. Send back a thumbs up emoji. Good to go. 
I love it. It's quick. It's easy. It doesn't require the other person to answer the phone, you know, and it's, it's just simple. So texting's great. But again, if you've got an issue, texting is probably not the best way to do it. Cause you, it's, you know, that's probably more appropriate for a phone call where you can discuss something and talk through it. But I love the texting idea. Um, it's just great. And some companies too, they have texting built into their TMS or to their tracking software where you can just send a quick message and you're not even on a phone, you're just typing it into a computer. So use the technology that's out there to the best of your ability. That's my thought on texting. I, same. I mean, it, it's pretty straightforward. I, I think it's a useful tool to use, you know, use your best judgment if you can. And if that's all you're looking for. Then I'm totally okay with the text message, especially the drivers that I'd have working for me often. Most of yep. them, I just say, you know, if they've, they've run a, more than a handful of loads, I'm like, look, Hey, I don't want to have to go out of my way. Can you shoot me a text when you get rolling in the morning and just give me an idea where your mile marker was or last yep. city and state? They kick that over. I throw that right into the computer. I'm like, hey, one in the afternoon, if you wouldn't mind shooting me over a quick update so I don't got to stop doing what I'm doing. And hey, the drivers that know you are more than happy to. Then also you got the guys that like to chat and they're also, you know, they like having that conversation. So I had all those drivers that preferred phone calls. So, yep. And I will say, and I'm going to, the next one is email. And I'm going to kind of relay, I'm going to, well, not really. I'm going to combine the texting and emailing into this same scenario here. Um, so they're both methods of using text as communication. One is going to be via email. One is going to be on a phone. Um, one of the benefits to this is going to be able to send documentation. So whether you do email or text, maybe you require a some pictures, right? So you want to know when you're loaded, I need a picture of a thermometer showing the reefer temperature to make sure that it's good to go, right? That's going to prevent claims on the driver's error or on the driver's side and make sure that you have a good feeling about the load going forward. Um, same thing with a BOL being signed upon pickup. So you know that the proper amount of goods has been loaded up there. Or, you know, I've got a guy that, that moves stacked chassis and he doesn't know the actual chassis numbers until the driver loads them up because the care or the shipper at the yard where the chassis are located, they're going to say, yeah, we got five, they have to go out, but maybe they haven't stacked those five yet. And they don't know which five chassis numbers are going to be loaded on that power only, lo power only load yet. So when you get there, take a picture. I want to see all five chassis numbers so I can let my customer know which ones they should expect to have delivered to their destination in a couple of days or whenever it's getting delivered. So that's the power of text and email versus phone is that you can share documentation, pictures, all that good stuff. And there are scanning apps on phones now. You just take a picture, it'll format it, make it look like it was scanned professionally. And that's a great way to give your customer a good heads up that, hey, temperature is good on that reefer loader. Hey, here's the the 10 units that we picked up for this job for you, you know, proof of the serial numbers, you name it, container numbers, all that stuff. These are the, the, the huge benefits of having image and, image and text. Well, that just brought up something else too. If you've got a load with, I don't want to say odd requirements, but stringent requirements or, mm -hmm. you know, it's CYA, right? I remembered I was shipping coils for cores. They were, um, you know, super low gauge aluminum that, if they weren't wrapped with, I think it was like cardboard and then bubble wrap and then more cardboard and then an eight foot tarp. <laughs> and the reason was any debris that kicked off the road, if it in any way came in contact with it and didn't have those four layers, then it would, it would ruin the millage on the coil. And it did like tens of thousands of dollars in damage. And it was also one of the reasons why they were willing to pay a higher margin. So, you know, one of the requirements on that was they needed to take a picture 
of them securing the load, you know, each of those processes, you know, so when they threw the, not just the tarp at the end, but that the bubble wrap was on it, that the cardboard was on it, that the third, whatever layer of, I think it was like foam, whatever it was, there was like four layers that they needed to protect it. And that was one of the things that they required was, Hey, can you make sure, because, you know, one of these damaged coils, everybody wants to say, Oh, it wasn't me. This happened when I picked it up. Right. Like that's your CYA. That's, Hey, oh, yeah. you can send these pictures to your customer and go, Hey, secured. Here's all the photos. It's absolutely wrapped. So then, because things still do go wrong at that point. Right. Like I had a driver, it was driving through a snowstorm in like the Michigan area and it hailed. The guy stopped under the overpass, waited for the hail to pass to protect the coil. He had done everything he was supposed to. There was still damage on it when he arrived, you know, somebody's looking to enforce that claim. They wanted to put it back on the driver. But fortunately, you know, what seemed like an extra step that might've been a pain in his ass to do in the first place, which was taking these pictures, saved him from having to eat that claim because we were able to hold that he wasn't actually liable for it. Yep. He followed all the requirements and this was just something that happens. I And I will, to add to that, the I've been through way too many bond filings and they are annoying. They're dragged out. <clears throat> they they get messy and dirty, and people get really frustrated and pissed off. the The way to make these easy and to prevent the back and forth, he said, she said, or whatever, is documentation, timestamps, written records, you name it. If you have a picture, you know what's great about a lot of phones now is like you know there are geotagging on the picture. Right. Yep. So you can see where it was taken, when it was taken, and then obviously what it was taken of. Same thing goes with email. Right. You can see when was that sent and what did it say um, with um, actually I kind of want to I want to circle back before we hit GPS. I want to circle back to all I want to include all three of these now, the phone, email and text. Um, the proper best practice for how to record these, right? So an email, obviously, you've got a record. A text, you have a record. A phone call, you don't necessarily have a record other than what your phone says. But <clears throat> I'm a huge fan of utilizing the TMS platform that you've got to properly document your conversation and your check calls along the way with your driver. So there is usually a feature in every TMS to mark a check call or to add notes to a stop or the load in general. So, and hopefully if you've got a good TMS platform, it's going to be timestamped and it's going to show who input that note in there. So if it's maybe if you have a dispatcher or an ops person in your brokerage office, you'll know if they put notes in when you were, if it was late night and you were at home already and they took the call or whatever it is, but to make sure you're documenting this stuff along the way. So you can say, yep, talk to the driver at six o'clock last night, uh, had an email at 4 a.m. from them. Um, hey, they sent over this image. I want to upload that and um, lock that into the TMS so it's part of the load now. We can always go back and reference it if anything pops up down the road. The better technology you have to help you in tracking all this stuff is going to make your life so, so easy. Yep. So, so kind of circling back, I mean, back to dispatch. I mean, is there anything that you recommend that some of your newer guys do when dispatching and how do you guys handle... GPS macro point at dispatches or something that you guys do specifically? Yep. So this is uh we'll, we'll, we'll get into the GPS one now and I've dealt with this a lot of times. So GPS, I think is a great tool, but like a lot of great tools in life and with technology, when used the wrong way, they can become terrible and cause headaches. So GPS, whether it's macro point, truckers tools, 
uh, truck stops. I mean, there's a ton of them out there. Proprietary ones, ELD versions. GPS is great if you need, you know, periodic pings of a location or if you want live tracking for a specific reason. But if you overdo it and you're like creeping on your carrier and you're almost like, hey, I just saw that you're actually 10 miles behind where you're supposed to be like, come on, that's a little ridiculous. Um, best practice when it comes to GPS tracking and just overall communication with your carrier. If your customer tells you, hey, I need GPS tracking on this load, that is a great reason to put GPS tracking on the load. If your customer doesn't need or doesn't want and straight up tells you like, don't do GPS, we don't want the updates, you probably don't have a good reason to force your driver to do it, okay? And if you do have a GPS requirement and your customer is going to ding you if they're not getting those location updates, you need to properly define that in your rate confirmation. So verbiage such as, and I'm just going to paraphrase this, you know, driver must accept macro point GPS before picking up load. Um, failure to, you know, activate GPS results in blank, right? That could be a $25 deduction off of their settlement rate or whatever, or failure to, you know, give proper updates or check calls ends or results in blank, right? You fill in the blank. So, and I would not use or abuse that, right? If your customer is going to ding you because they didn't get an update, then yes, if you told your carrier and your carrier failed to do that, then the carrier can be liable. But if your care, if your customer is not going to ding you, don't be finding your carrier because they didn't do something that you're not actually Required, getting yeah. for. So here's a, here's yeah. an example. Um, had a, a broker that I worked with for a couple of years, and the way that she did things was she would threaten carriers to find them. And I'll just say this up front, not working with her anymore for a variety of reasons, but her customer would not find her, but then she would go and find the carrier 250 bucks for not accepting macro point or for not giving a check call update. Yeah. And I'll tell you the amount of times that the bond was filed on and we had to, you know, get it resolved and she ended up taking the hit because it was a bad practice on her end. She was a bad egg. That stuff happens. It's just, it's a mess. And you don't want to find carrier like 250 bucks for missing a check call and they weren't even late, like you don't know what happened there, right? Maybe yeah. they had a tire blowout and they were had an emergency stop on the side of the road and they called you an hour later and you're still going to try to find them? No, don't do it. So I get the whole point of GPS tracking if the customer requires it. It's great. It requires you know, very little actual conversation. They can just log in or get automated text or email updates. It's a beautiful thing if used properly. Don't overdo it. It's just a headache and it makes people feel micromanaged. I would use it and I will give a little slightly different slant is that I used it often to make my life easier so that I didn't have to check all those or that I knew there were just automatic updates. <clears throat> but I would always give the driver a choice if my shipper wasn't requiring it. Like Agreed. I would That's ask and say, you know, for instance, hey, Nate, you know, I'm good either or. I mean, it saves me some time. It saves you from the headache. Do you want me to send GPS or not? I mean, we can have the calls or I can hand it over. And I mean, hey, I trust you either way. It doesn't make any difference, but we can make both our lives easier. Do you want to go with that? Most of the time they would pick it. I would send yep. it. And the that's the other, key, Ben, is you, yep. give them, you give them the option. You're not forcing yes. them or shoving it down their throat. You are giving them a choice and they can own that choice. 
And then the other caveat was when my shippers did require it and I would get dinged, it was going to be contingent on their dispatch instructions. Like, yes, absolutely. But until you accept it, you don't get the pickup numbers. You don't get the rest of the details, right? Yes, they can still turn it off. Yes, that still happens. But at the very least, you've got them to turn it on. And the likelihood they turn it off is a lot smaller. So that yeah. was kind of my go-to at dispatch. Absolutely. That's good. So, uh, you know, that's we kind of looked at the, the four different main types of check calling. You got GPS, text, email, and phone call. Um, I will say upon delivery, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of getting a picture of a clean bill of lading. Even if you're, you know, you're not using it for the invoicing process, just to give you that peace of mind and your care of the peace of mind that this low was delivered clean, you're going to get your full rate. It was not late. It was not damaged. There's no issue. We're good to go. Awesome. Thank you very, very much for that. I got a lot of people who that's their best practice and they do it all the time is just send, just text me a quick picture of the BOL sign that it was delivered with the time and the date on it. And it just makes everyone's life a little bit easier. So Good stuff. So here's, here's the bottom line. The big takeaway is have the conversation before the load is tendered on what your expectation is and settle it before, whether that's going to be GPS or no GPS, two calls a day, one call a day, no calls, text only, email, a variety of both pictures, you name it. And hopefully if you're, if you're a newer broker out there, you've got some ideas that you never thought of before. Like, Hey, I never thought to ask for a picture of this, or Hey, I never thought to just have the guy send me a text. Right. Good takeaways. So any final yeah. thoughts on uh, check calls or any anything in that realm before the Q&A, Ben? No, just kind of going back. I mean, even on the dispatch side, right? Like if you've got specific requirements, make sure those are in your dispatch instructions, whether it's a six foot, an eight foot, a 12 foot tarp, pipe stakes, coil racks, have all those things spelled out. Make sure they're in writing. You have no idea how many problems can be resolved just by having clear communications on the specific requirements on the front end. Absolutely. That is huge. That is very, very bad. That's a, one of the things is uh, PP and E. Some, yeah, oh, yeah. Sometimes on a rate confirmation, um, the, I always, I've seen a bunch of different brokers' versions of them. And uh, it's funny how some of the notes are, I've seen them where they're huge, bold letters and it's right beneath the rate because you know the carrier is going to look at the rate to make sure the yep. rate looks right. And right below that, in size 1 million point font, is going to be tarps and straps required or something like that. So yeah. um, make sure your notes are on there. I, I agree. All right. Good talk. Good discussion. We got a couple of quick Q&A questions here before we wrap up. First one, um, these all come from uh, the Reddit community. So thank you, Reddit community, for being active on there. Uh, this, this first person asks, uh, I'm an agent for an agent-based company and my company is starting to farm my accounts out. What do I do? Uh, Get the hell out of Dodge is my, my short answer. But if you're broke, in this case, you could be an employee, a W-2 folk for a brokerage. If you have an account that you landed and they're starting to farm that out, you've got big issues and you got to get out of there before it gets worse. Someone They're stealing your business. And I've seen, I've seen very, very big agent-based companies that tried to create these in-house operations teams and start telling agents, hey, you're not doing a whole lot of business with this account. So we're going to actually pull that in-house and you don't actually have a say in this because per our contract, it did list something like this in small print on page 37. Uh, yeah, you need to get out of that place ASAP and salvage what you can. What are your thoughts? It's the same. I mean, they're stealing your work product. I mean, yep. but also 
clear expectations on the front end, right? Are you aware of this in the beginning? Did you talk about this? Read all your paperwork. If you're an employee, read your employment contract. If you're an agent, read your independent agent contract. This is your contribute. This is your contribution, right? To the equity. This is what you're building. Your efforts, the thousands of phone calls you're going to make, the hundreds or thousands of hours you're going to spend developing and fostering these relationships. Like you need to know if that's your work product or the company's work product and who owns that at the end of the day and who can decide who's going to profit from it. Yep. Agreed. It's a pretty straightforward one. All right. Next question. I love this one. The guy, this guy says I'm 19 years old wanting to start my own brokerage. And I couldn't even really read much past that. He did say like, he's looking at deferring going to college and he said, I was like an ACE student in high school, super fast learner. I want to start a brokerage, no experience. Don't do it. Go learn from somebody. Hey, if you want to go to college, cool, go to college. If you don't, don't, whatever, but don't just go get your authority. We've talked through this one a million times, Ben. Learn from somebody. Yeah. Go get an internship. Go work underneath somebody, even if it's a short period of time. There's so many opportunities or options for you to be able to work with somebody without a non-compete. So you get the benefit of learning underneath somebody, under their tutelage, build your own book, at which point in time, a year and a half, you'll know whether or not, you know, that's even a good fit. Yeah. Here's a great example. We had a company I worked for, had a, had a guy that um, was, uh, while he was in college, he intern for us. He was paid intern, obviously didn't get the full rate that you'd get as an employee, but took a reduced rate to come in and learn carrier sales. So he was dispatching uh, loads for existing agents and got to start moving some of his own loads um, for agents that wanted to help, you know, kind of assign him an account to work on, Um, you know, not his business or anything like that, but he got to learn the trade and he got paid to do it. So he wasn't bound by a non-compete or anything, and he would never have taken those customers with him anyway, but he got to learn the trade and he graduated college and ended up taking a full-time position with the company that he, he chose to do because he disliked the culture so much. So that's the benefit of getting out there and working with another company or with somebody else for a little bit as you get to learn, hopefully you get paid for it. Um, and then you, you might find out that you actually love working with them. So don't go start your own. Well, I you're think that's a great one. You're also running a business. I was listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast yesterday, actually. And he was, I think it was Seth Godin. He was interviewing and was asking, or they were talking about was Derek Sivers. And he had said, you know, so many people expect or have these, you know, ideas on what they want to do, whether it's to move from, you know, the suburbs to the city, the city to the suburbs or to switch careers. He's like, instead of making these huge jumps, there are so many little things you can do to find out and to learn more. And the first is, Find a few people that do this and go spend a couple of days with them. Yeah. Go spend a week sitting next to somebody that does this job and ask them, like, hey, would you mind? Maybe I'll take you out to lunch or dinner. Would you mind if I just kind of hung out with you and saw what the job was like? Maybe even just for a day, right? Get some exposure to what that is before you make these drastic decisions. Absolutely. I love that mentality that take someone out for coffee or lunch thing and pay for it because yeah. um, that knowledge is invaluable. All right. Last question here. <clears throat> I can see this one all the time. There's no perfect answer. Uh, I'm at a dead end looking for shippers. What should I do? Well, listen to our old podcast that had like 10 ways to generate leads because it's in there. I forget what number it is, but there is an endless amount of ways to look for leads. If you are seriously out of ways to look for leads, look on your desk and flip all your stuff over and look at where it was made. And that's a start. Look at every 
every soft drink or wherever you're everything in your refrigerator, pasta, whatever Coke, look at where it was bottled, manufactured, look at all your food products in the grocery store, right? Google set Google alerts for manufacturing, man, there is an endless supply of, of leads. Anything and everything in your home at some point or another was on a truck. Anything you use, anything you've purchased, anything that's in your home, anything you've seen driven past all arrived on a truck at some point. Yep. Just got to do the work, think creatively and think outside of the box. So awesome. Great episode. We try to keep it brief for everyone today. Welcome to the holiday season. It's the uh, season of joy and cheers and COVID wave two, you know, just a beautiful, but ugly thing. So um, we got some good stuff coming up. Look forward to some new episodes. Ben, you got a proverb for us today? I don't, man. No, no proverbs off the tip of my tongue, man. Just uh, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.